Good evening, church. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. Proverbs, chapter 31. If you have a pew Bible, I believe it is page 584. And the large numbers are the chapters. In 1960, the average age a man was married was 23 years old. In 2022, the age was 32 years old, and that was down three years of age, which was 35 in 2021. According to a recent Pew study, 63% of men and 34% of women under the age of 30 reported being single, single being defined as not in any relationship. The original Pew study, which was released just before Valentine's Day, found that a majority of single adults are not interested in being struck or even grazed by Cupid's arrow, with 57% of Americans saying that they are not currently interested in a relationship. The Hill summarized the study with an article entitled, Most Young Men Are Single, Most Young Women Are Not. Now, I'm not going to go into all the cultural and sociological reasons why that might be so, but I will say that what we observe in the world should not be true within the church. Now, our text tonight is Proverbs 31.10, but uh, as our habit is, let's read that verse in context. So let's begin in Proverbs 31, verse 10, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Verse 10. Who can find a wife of noble character? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will not lack anything good. She rewards him with good, not evil, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from far away. She rises while it is still night and provides food for her household and portions for her female servants. She evaluates a field and buys it. She plants a vineyard with her earnings. She draws on her strength and reveals that her arms are strong. She sees that her profits are good and her lamp never goes out at night. She extends her hands to the spinning staff and her hands hold the spindle. Her hand, hands reach out to the poor and she extends her hands to the needy. She is not afraid for her household when it snows, for all in her household are doubly clothed. She makes her own bed coverings. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known at the city gates where he sits among the elders of the land. She makes and sells linen garments. She delivers belts to the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she can laugh at the time to come. Her mouth speaks wisdom, and loving instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the activities of her household and is never idle. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done noble deeds, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. Give her the reward of her labor and let her works praise her at the city gates." And let's, let's continue in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Uh, speak to us. Give us hearts that are open to receive. May your spirit 
uh, guide us and enable us here this evening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, the main thought we want to consider tonight, I just entitled this, Marriage is a Good and Honorable Pursuit. Marriage is a Good and Honorable Pursuit. And there's three things we're going to think about tonight. First is marriage is the norm. Marriage is the norm. The second is where to look. Where to look. And the third thing we want to consider is what is a capable wife? What is, what is a capable wife look like? The chapter begins, we didn't read it, but it begins like this. It says, the words of King Lemuel, a pronouncement that his mother taught him. So we don't know much about King Lemuel. His name means for God or belonging to God. And the thought is his name may be some symbolic, a symbolic reference to King Solomon. And so his mother instructs him. And then when we transition to verse 10, it becomes unclear. This is a continuation of the instruction his mother gave him. Or maybe it's his own personal reflection on what a woman in excellence should be possibly based on the example of his own mother. It says, who can find a capable wife? She is far more precious, or her worth is far more than jewels. Now, other translations would put that like this, a wife of noble or good character, or an excellent wife, or a virtuous woman, or a worthy woman. The book of Ruth helps us maybe to unpack that a little bit by the relationship between Boaz and Ruth. In Ruth 3, verse 11, Boaz says this to Ruth. He says, now don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do for you whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Now, that's the same word that we see there in Proverbs 31.10. Now we want to unpack that a little further because earlier in the book of Ruth, this is what he tells her. Boaz and Roman, or excuse me, Ruth 2, verses 11 and 12, Boaz answered her. He says, everything you have done for your mother-in-law since your husband death, husband's death has been fully reported to me. How you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and how you came to a people you previously did not know. May the Lord reward you for what you have done and may you receive a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you have come for refuge. That is, it was the character of Ruth that she displayed and the practical choices of faith in her life that she made to leave her land and her people to a land she knew nothing about but in trust of the God of Israel. Now, from verse 10 on in this chapter, it is in the form of an acrostic. That is, with each verse, starting with verse 10, beginning with the letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Proverbs 31, it's, it's a picture of the woman of excellence. She is the embodiment of all the things that the book of Proverbs has been teaching. But it is the picture of the ideal woman. So, guys, if you're looking for the Proverbs 31 woman you first got to take a look at yourself in the mirror. Because, again, it's the picture of the ideal. Excuse me. And so, hopefully, like me, someday you're going to marry someone better than yourself. 
And my wife said I had to say that tonight. So, <clears throat> um, But there's one thing out of the entire list that's the most important. So, so ladies, I don't want you to be discouraged as you read this chapter and say, man, I could never be that kind of woman. Well, again, it's, it's this picture of the ideal woman. But the most important characteristic, I think, in this whole chapter is verse 30, where it says, Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord will be praised. So men, we we are not to be fooled by charm and beauty. The Lord says it's the inner person that is the key. It's the cultivation of the inner life with God And that needs to be the the center of everything that flows from a person's life, whether you're a man or a woman here tonight. But this chapter says, look for that kind of woman. Now, everything in our culture pushes charm and beauty. But as Proverbs tells us, it is deceptive and it is fleeting. We saw this morning in, in 1 Peter really the same thought. Uh, that Travis shared this morning in First Peter, in verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 2 to 5, it says, Your beauty should not consist of outward things, like elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold ornaments or fine clothes. Instead, it should consist of the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very valuable in God's eyes. So it's the inner person. And really everything else, I think, in, in Proverbs 31 flows from that inner life. So the first thing is this. I, I put it, marriage is the norm. So guys, unless you believe God has called you to singleness, marriage should be on your radar. Marriage was ordained for human flourishing and blessing. It is God's design for humanity and for the good of society and for the good of families and children. Proverbs 18.22 says, A man who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. But as also was mentioned this morning, singleness is also a gift from God. And though tonight the focus is on marriage, I don't want to imply in any way that singleness is inferior in any way in the Christian life. We're all betrothed to Christ, and he is all that any of us need. But marriage was God's idea, and he officiated the first wedding, And so for the single men among us, marriage is something you should be thinking about, preparing for, and actively pursuing. Some of you may be younger, and some of you may be older, and there may be some of you that desire marriage, but it just hasn't happened yet. Well, be patient and trust the Lord. But the second point is this, well, where do we look? Now, it's normal and good for guys to be thinking about marriage, but for the Christian, to be be married, again, is a natural and desirable thing. But the question is, is, well, who can find a wife of noble character? In other words, where do we go? Now, maybe my answer is tonight. I'm going to give you maybe a few thoughts. <clears throat> maybe it's going to reveal that I'm just an old fuddy-duddy. Um, or maybe I'm absolutely clueless on the dating habits of young singles at Grace Harbor. But uh, I'm going to give it a try, so be patient with me here. <clears throat> so where do we look? Well, how about here at Grace Harbor? Um, In case you haven't noticed, there are a lot of godly single women that attend church here. I just thought I would point that out to some of the guys here. 
Now, also, this is the I know a guy who knows a guy state, all right? Now, my daughter was introduced this past year by my daughter-in-law to a guy from her church, and it was a match made in heaven, they say, as they say. So is there someone you know who you can match up with someone else? Uh, It worked for my daughter, and I've seen it work in a lot of other relationships. You find a wife... The third thing is this, you find a wife as you actively seek and serve and pursue the Lord. That is, you don't put serving the Lord on hold in seeking a wife. Your desire for a wife is given to you from the Lord, but don't make it an idol in your life. Serve the Lord and then trust him to bring someone to you. Where can you look? Well, Now, I know a number of you have used dating apps. Now, that's totally foreign to me. And they may serve a role in what I call the modern dating dilemma. But you need to be in regular friendships with real people who are in your life on a regular basis. Because you're not who you think you are. And it is community that will teach you about yourself and prepare you for the commitment of marriage. What community does in our lives is it gives you and I a dose of reality. You need real friends who will speak truth into your life. Because if it's not going to happen before marriage, I guarantee you it's going to happen after you get married. So you, you, you better get used to it. Where else do you look? Well, I want to say you look in Scripture. Because it's in scripture, the Lord will teach you about the kind of woman you guys ought to be looking for. That's what we see in Proverbs 31. And, and so scripture itself can guide us and, and help us to pursue the kind of woman that God would have us to marry. You pray. Another thing is you pray and you seek the wisdom and guidance that comes from above. Talk to God about it. God can lead you. God can guide you. And finally, the last thing I want to mention is get counsel. Do not underestimate the opinion of others in light of someone that you're interested in. What does your family think of the other person? What do your brothers and sisters in Christ think of her? And I want to say this, do not, and I repeat, do not ignore the concerns that they raise. Because they raise them in love. And if you ignore what others are concerned about, you may live to regret it, as they say. Now, let me point out that everything I have just said applies in the other direction as well. If a guy you're interested in has no interest in serving the Lord, don't expect him to change just because you marry him. Don't neglect the word in prayer and counsel from others in seeking a spouse as a young lady. If they say he's a bum, he probably is. (laughs) This also implies that young people should be spending time together informally, in group settings, simply to get to know each other better. But you got to make that happen. And as couples in the church, this is where we can help by opening our homes for young people to hang out. Uh, That's, I think, an important function that we can have. 
Now, the last thing we want to spend a few minutes on, I call it just a capable wife. So what this passage is not saying is that for you guys, that Proverbs 31 is a series of boxes that you have to check off in evaluating, you know, a future spouse. That's not what that chapter is all about. And the question you really should ask yourself is, why should anybody want to marry you anyway? That is, what are you bringing to the table? Huh? What are you bringing to the table? I mean, you, you might say, well, I'm, I'm focusing on Proverbs 31. Well, let's see what you bring to the table, too. What kind of man are you aspiring to be? Well, the rest of the book of Proverbs will help groom you to be the kind of man a woman would want to marry. Proverbs, in particular, is written to the young man to give him wisdom for life. And many of the Proverbs up to, pro- up to this chapter really is teaching a young man about the kind of woman he should avoid. So don't neglect the warnings of the book of Proverbs. But chapter 31 is about the woman a young man should be looking for. And again, it's a composite of the kind of woman we should be, should, should be searching for, young woman in our midst to aspire to be. And verse 30, again, is applicable to everyone to, and to all women as well. In terms of charm is deceptive, beauty is fleeing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Every woman you contemplate to marry should at least be that. The other stuff's going to vary. And for the ladies in her midst, don't be discouraged. And for the guys in her midst, don't look for perfection, because you're not perfect either. And so we have to be realistic. Now, when you look at these, cha- these verses, 10 through 31, <clears throat> I just want to share a few observations And I'd always encourage you to really revisit 1 Peter 3, 1 to 7, and to re-listen to Travis's message today, because I thought it was great. And I don't think my list describes some unrealistic superwoman, but I'll also say that you can't evaluate any of these things over the Internet. This is in-person evaluation. First of all, and it goes without saying, and Travis said this this morning, she should be a Christian and submitted in her life to Christ. And I thought that was made abundantly clear this morning. It tells us, and I'm just going to, a couple things here, but it says she can be trusted. She can be trusted. And I want to say that's a wonderful thing. Uh, in, In 40 years of marriage, that has never been an issue with my wife. And that's a wonderful thing. That gives you that area, that to have that kind of peace for 40 years of trust. The woman that we read about in this chapter, well, she's clearly a servant. She serves her family. She serves others. She serves the needy. She's well spoken of by others. She helps you and does not distract you from serving the Lord. In fact, she elevates your service to the Lord. Be wary if the opposite is happening. Be wary if your commitments begin to lag because of that relationship. You know, the husband of of this woman in this chapter, he he sits at the city gates. He sits among the elders of the land. But that's because of his godly wife. She's played a role in that. She stays busy in worthy pursuits, but is not a busy buddy. The woman in this chapter, she is wise and generous and kind to all, both in word and in deed. This woman, she loves and desires children. And so, as you're evaluating, as you're looking, do they love children? 
Do they engage the children here in our midst? Do they volunteer in children's ministry? What kind of service are they providing in that way? Or or is children something that's kind of a bother to them? She invests her life in the lives of others. Does she get together with others on a regular basis? Is she involved in discipling? And so all these things, again, I don't feel like this points out some some super Christian. But this should... These are the things that all of us should be involved in. Because again, like the list before, there's nothing that I just mentioned that does not apply to both brothers and sisters here in our midst. But it begins with a woman who says who fears the Lord. And in the end, it says that a woman who fears the Lord will be praised, give her the reward of her labor... And let her works praise her at the city gates. You know, in the end, she's a woman to be praised. The husband she is married to, the children she has raised, the lives she has poured into will, in the end, give her praise. And so tonight, first of all, if you're married already, give your wife some praise. It's a good thing, and it's a good habit to be involved in on a regular basis. And if you're looking for a wife, as this chapter lets us know, when you find her, she will be worth more to you than all the money you could ever have. And as this verse tonight reminds us, she is far more precious than jewels. And so think about these things, brethren, and may the Lord guide you on your journey. And let's pray. Father, we thank you. We, we bless you for the wisdom of your word, the wisdom of this book. And so we, we pray in this, in this church for godly relationships, for godly families to be raised up, uh, that you would uh, make this a place where uh, all of us are submitted to the lordship of Christ and seek to glorify and honor him in all that we do. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.